in Matthew 6, 9, a very famous passage of scripture. Most of you probably could quote it without even thinking twice about it. After this matter, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. God, that you would touch it, move, and that I would say something here this morning that would help somebody make a connection with you they need to make. In Jesus' name, bless the ministry of prayer. Hallelujah. Shake a few hands as you're being seated. Greet and welcome someone to the house of God this morning. Jesus further said in Mark 11 and 17, he taught them, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer? My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. We have that as a byline here in our, in our church, Free Spirit Fellowship, a house of prayer. But I want it to be more than a motto. I want it to be more than a byline. I want it to be more than a saying. I want it to be something that we do, that we work at, that we release that anointing in our lives in prayer. Uh, <clears throat> the modern translation, the New Living Translation, uh, reads uh, the familiar prayer, our Lord's Prayer, this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today and forgive our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Prayer. Ian Bounds said that prayer shapes God, rather God shapes the world by prayer. Prayers are deathless. If you really believe that and in the power of prayer. Oh, what a potential is there before us. To think about it. Better than money in the bank. Better than to be brought up the son of a millionaire. Uh, better to have all the conveniences in life that you want to think of. Because when you go to God and open your mouth and speak words in prayer where you believe that God shapes the world because of prayer, what potential we have to release in our world. Uh, you may say, but I've prayed before and nothing happened. I'm still praying and waiting. Still it hasn't happened yet. Let me invite you to rem and, and remind you that Jesus, no less, who taught us how to pray, also taught us that prayer has to be persistent. It needs to be consistent and it needs to be persistent. 
and it needs to be backed by an engine called a fervent spirit. It needs to come from an earnest heart, which is sincere, and it comes best from a righteous person. But God hears the prayer of a sinner just as well as he hears the prayer of a righteous person. He may answer it differently or wait to answer it until other conditions are met, but he never not hears prayer. He always hears our prayer. Every time we open our mouth to speak to God, God is not on vacation. He's not away. He's not on a long trip. He's not off taking care of somebody else or doing something else. He is attentive to our prayer. Oh, hallelujah, how special it is to be able to know that we have a personal God who wants us to pray to Him, who asks us to pray to Him, who asks us to go to Him. Leonard Ravenhill, another of my favorite authors, said, We are wondering why God does not move. He is wondering why we do not break. We have this exceeding great and precious promise and wonder why He does not oblige. He wonders why we do not obey. We wish he would bend low, but he wishes that we would break down. On why we should pray, he also said, prayer (coughs) does not condition God, prayer conditions us. Prayer does not win God to our view, it reveals God's view to us. Prayer is not merit, prayer is not purchasing things from God. If you ask why we emphasize prayer so much... And so often we reply, because Jesus did so. Jesus did so. The very one whom we're going to pray to. The very one who we're going to ask the Father in his name. The one that we prayed to prayed. And he prayed more than any of them. And he knew how to get a hold of the attention of God. He knew how to teach us to pray. He knew what to do to help us to pray. The disciples came to him after such a time of prayer. They had witnessed his prayerness, his prayer effectiveness, and desired to have the same. You cannot be around someone who has an anointing from God and has a gift, spiritual gift from God, without wanting to know how you can get some of that yourself. You cannot be around somebody who has that touch with God and a walk with God without you wanting to find out if there is any way you can model yourself upon that so that you can partake as well. If that can be transmitted, then I want my piece of it. I want my share. I want to get a hold of it. And they did that day want to touch whatever it was that Jesus had, that when he went to prayer, results happened and things uh, were were exciting, wonderful things went on. They wanted that. So, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, we call Matthew 6, 9 through 13, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it is more than a prayer. It is a model. Uh, it's a model that we might think of as, as really as the perfect prayer. Uh, Why the perfect prayer? Coming from the lips of Jesus as it did. How could it not be? He prayed it. He said, this is how you should pray. He spoke it. So I have to believe that it is the perfect prayer. Uh, And indeed it may function as a rote prayer, a read prayer, a remembered prayer, a spoken prayer, a quoted prayer. It could function in all of those ways and not suffer if when we do it, we do it earnestly. We feel it earnestly. Uh, it's not something just coming out of our mind, from our memory, out of our mouth, from our head. 
but rather when we speak the words, we put heart into it. People, if I could only show you and convince you that the power of prayer comes not from the words spoken alone, but the heart and the feeling that is in it. I I guarantee you that when you begin to put heart into your prayer, when you begin to put passion into your prayer, when you get to get inside that word and you begin to think what it means and what it can release and you pray fervently, it will be effective for you and God will begin to move and you'll begin to sense it and to feel it happening. But this prayer teaches us to pray. It, it's, it's the perfect prayer because it covers the bases. Some have called it the prayer wheel or the prayer clock. Indeed, you can look at these portions of Scripture and you could break them down. Some have done it into quarters of an hour, ten minutes, or even five-minute units so that there is a little bit of each part of those verses that can be p- applied and prayed. When I, <clears throat> when I was first learning to pray for an hour, struggling to learn how to pray for an hour, uh, the prayer clock, learning about it, uh, became, helped me to become very effective. It helped me to do it. Uh, I soon uh, realized that I didn't need that anymore after I would got into the habit of, of praying. But uh, the prayer clock basically breaks down the Lord's Prayer into uh, components of five minutes each so that if you spend five minutes doing this and then five minutes doing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, by the time you're done with each part, you've, pl- you've prayed a complete prayer and you've spent an hour doing it. Uh, after a while, you know, after a while it becomes mechanical. It's a method that will help you pray the distance, but more effectively is just to spend time with God, to spend time with God. Uh, and in that time, there's going to be some silent listening to God, but there's also going to be some heartfelt speaking and, and talking to the Lord and asking for things. But you can look at this Lord's Prayer and break down some of the components of it. Uh, he started out with praise and worship. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So it's important to know who we are praying to. Who, who are we addressing? Who do we want to hear us in our prayer. Is it St. Mary? Is it St. Benedict? Is it St. Jude of the broken leg or whatever it may be? No, it's Jesus, amen, that we are praying to. And uh, he is our Father in heaven. And so we go to him in prayer. We direct it. Prayer, praise, and worship. Uh, May your kingdom come soon. Now you get into kingdom praying. Now this is kingdom praying. Your kingdom. We think about what his kingdom meant. What do we know about his kingdom? Well, we do know some things about his kingdom. He said that his kingdom was not of this world. So it's something else. It's spiritual. He said that, uh, you know, it's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. Uh, We know that his, his kingdom cannot be observed or seen, but rather it is something that we enter into in our heart spiritually. So the kingdom of God, we can enter into the kingdom of God when we're born into the kingdom of God. There are things that we can know about the kingdom of God, but it is a kingdom. And like any kingdom, it must have a government. It must have authority. If it's a kingdom, it's got authority. It has a government. Think about that. Thy kingdom, thy will be done in earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the authority in heaven, that's God. Does anybody question God's authority in heaven? Some tried. 
They got kicked out. Lucifer got kicked out. The angels that agreed with him got kicked out. So since that time, no one has dared to question God's authority in heaven. His, his authority, his government in heaven is absolute. There's nothing but holiness and righteousness and purity there. Nothing goes wrong. Nothing is astray. Everything is in order. It's exactly as God wishes it to be. Now, God created us in this world, and he made this world a little bit different. He didn't make it bend and bow to his will, but rather he released it to see what it would do with free will, to see what it would do. And so we come into this world with free will. That free will gets us into trouble, but that free will can also be the great gift that God desires and that he wants. He wants that will. So when we pray, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, we cannot see the answer to that prayer if we are not willing to live the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Think about what that means. Oh my goodness, that is so completely compact, full of information there. If we could actually do the will of God on earth as it is done in heaven, we would never slip, we would never fail, we would never make a mistake, we would be perfect, we would be absolutely everything we should be. So uh, we're not there, we're not there yet. But he's working on us, right? The Holy Ghost is working on us. How many of you feel the Holy Ghost working on you? Is working on all of us in this service today. God wants us to come into something greater than family-ship. Greater than relationship. God is looking for fellowship. Hallelujah. So when we pray, amen, it can be a time of fellowshipping with God. Who wouldn't want to fellowship with God? I mean, we let our doubt keep us from fellowship. We let our grief keep us from fellowship. We let our inferiority keep us from fellowship. We let our sense of lack uh, of living up to everything we ought to be keep us from fellowship. We let time and other priorities keep us from fellowship. We let distractions keep us from fellowship. But if we could spend time and get to know Him and have fellowship, I, I, I know that the fellowship that we can have with God can be a growing power, a growing potential power. And the closer we get to God in that fellowship, the more of heaven we feel. Have you ever prayed and you have just been so connected to the Lord, so intensely in sync with the Spirit and He was moving in you, and you felt it, I mean, your body just had sensations, uh, personal, physical sensations, just running through you and through you, and your and you, your heart was just about to explode with joy and with peace and with happiness. Amen. You were getting a little bit closer to heaven. It's hard to imagine what a full dose of heaven really would be like if that little hint is there and available to us. But so infrequently do we ever go there and touch that spot and get in that sweet spot of prayer. We just... we. What goes on here? What's keeping us from getting there? Could it be laziness? Prayer is work. It's hard work. It's commitment. You have to commit to it. You have to see that it is valuable and that you want to do it. And that it is not a waste of time. If, if you know, People that don't pray think that prayer does no good. That it is a waste of time. We need to re-see this. We need to rethink this. 
We need to really realize that if I could spend all 24 hours in prayer, amen, if I could do that, what powerful benefit would come out of that in my life and the lives of other people? So none of it is a waste of time. So kingdom praying. Then we pray for personal needs. Uh, Give us our food for today. We can pray for our personal needs. You know, it's okay to ask God for things. Sometimes we feel guilty when we're praying because I should just take care of my spirit, you know. I just, I just need to be, make sure my heart's right with God and make sure my heart's right with other people. I should just pray for my spirit. I should pray just for spiritual things. But Jesus taught us to pray, give us today the food we need. So he's telling us that it is okay to ask God for personal things. Now, if we have a personal God, he knows that we need food. He made us in that way. He knows what we need. And it's not wrong to ask him for it and the reason he wants us to ask him for it is because he wants us to understand that whatever we get comes from him it comes from him he made it possible for us to have the things that we have so when we recognize that fact we learn to be grateful and thankful to the lord and not think that it's all we, us, and ourselves that have done everything for ourselves. And, and I don't really need God's help or anybody else's help because I'm able to do it for myself. When we come, become self-sufficient, we lose the gratitude factor. And the gratitude factor is important in multiple ways. It's important in multiple ways. Number one, it causes us to always remember and be reminded Amen. About the importance of God in our life. The priority of God. That he is priority. Number one. Uh, it, it, it helps us <clears throat> as we become thankful to him. So that we are not ungrateful children. You know, who wants to spoil a child and give them everything they want. And so that he thinks he deserves or she thinks she deserves to have whatever that they want to have. And they'll throw a fit if they don't get it when they ask for it. And they don't learn to defer and and, and, uh, gratitude and and to wait, uh, you know, until the time is right to have what they need to have. Who wants to raise a child like that? I mean, it's it's a spoiled, rotten thing. It's ugly. It's, It's nasty. But when you do something for somebody and you do something nice for somebody, you put some thought and intent in it, it's nice to get a thank you. It's a great thing to get a thank you. You guys did great. Man, you guys did really great for my 60th birthday party. And I've thanked all of you personally who who were there, but I want to thank you as a church. Amen. I was just so blessed and honored uh, at that outpouring of love and kindness to me. I don't feel like I deserve half of it, but I appreciate what you have done for me. Amen. We need to be thankful to God. We need to be thankful for all the good things that God has given us. If we did have a grasp on gratitude and thankfulness, we would be willing to go to prayer more often. We would be willing to go to prayer more often because the reason why we would go to prayer is because we were thankful. We were thankful because we knew he blessed us. We knew he did it. We knew he answered the prayer. If I don't want to go to prayer, if I don't want to ask him, I don't believe he's going to do it. I don't believe he's going to hear me. I don't believe he can do it. Uh, I'm, I'm just expecting him to do it Do it anyway without me ever asking. He knows. He, you know, he's God. He knows I, he need, I need to eat. I didn't, shouldn't have to ask him. You know, that's, that's, that gets so spoiled and it gets old with God. And we begin to assume, you know, that we're doing all this great stuff for ourselves and we don't need his help. But he wants us to need him. 
And the truth and the reality is, is that we do need him. We need him desperately. We need him every day. We need him more than we know, more than we can think, more than we imagine. We need him because we are his creation. He is our father. He made us. He created us. He knows everything about us. So pray for personal needs. Pray for spiritual needs. The prayer for spiritual needs involves both seeking forgiveness of sin and also giving forgiveness of sin. And that's a, that's a two-handed thing. You cannot ask for forgiveness from God and not release forgiveness to other people. You can't do it. The Bible tells us you cannot do it. But he tells us that if we forgive others their sins against us, God will forgive us our sins against him. So this is a prayer that is that has its hands tied. It has its hands tied. Now, why would God do that? Doesn't God know I'm a, I have a right to be mad? Doesn't he know I have a right to be offended? Doesn't he know I'm, you know, I'm hurting and, and, and I deserve the joy I get out of the pain I feel? Doesn't he know that? You see, God's trying to clean us up. Because we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're not perfect. And these things happen in our lives, and they are there to show us that we need God's help to clean ourselves up. So God has attached our forgiveness to our willingness to forgive. He's connected it throughout. And the healing that we need can only take place this way. So we need a, we need a two-way healing, okay? We need to have our heart healed from our broken fellowship with God because of our own sin. We need to have that healed. We need to have that restored. But in order for that to be effective, we also need to restore our relationships with other people and to heal them and to let them go. How desperately, dearly we want God to let us go, right? We want him to let us go so desperately. Forgive me. Let me go. Release me from the debt of sin. Please, Jesus, you're my only hope. You're my only salvation. But I am not going to forgive her for what she said to me. It won't work. It doesn't work that way. Amen. We have to be just as willing to let other people go. Now think about what that does for us and our relationships to everyone else. It's a compact deal, you see. It's it's 12 o'clock. I need to quit. So this sermon's going to have to come back because i got a whole lot more stuff. Uh, maybe I'll take it up again on my next Wednesday night to preach and finish it off. This is good. It's too good just to let go like this, right? Amen. Amen. So, you know, there's a connection there that we have uh, with with needing to let other people go. And, and being uh, need to let go of ourselves. The benefit ultimately is is that it is about relationships. Our relationship to God. That's paramount. That's number one. Our relationship to God is important. But how can we say we love God? The Bible tells us, and we say we hate our brother. I love God, but I hate my brother. It doesn't work that way because in heaven it cannot work that way. Here's what you need to understand about that. If you want to take that baggage with you to heaven and you see your brother coming down Glory Avenue and you still feel the same way toward him, heaven wouldn't be heaven. It wouldn't be heaven. Because none of that stuff's supposed to be there. You're not supposed to feel any of that. 
It's nothing but unity and fellowship and bonded togetherness and completeness and everything is perfect and everything is wonderful. So you cannot take that suitcase to heaven. That's why you need to deal with it now. That's why God has made this connection. My relationship with you depends on your relationship with everyone else in your life. And you need to fix that and get it right. Got to do it. And what a better world it would be for you if you could just be free. We sing freedom, freedom. And what a great job those kids did with it. Love, love the kids' choir. Amen. To see them worship is awesome. But you, you cannot sing about freedom and then not be free. You, you need to let go of the thing that has you bound. And it does have us bound. So <clears throat> our world gets immediately better. But the relationships all around us get better. They get better all the way around us. Now, if person A has an attitude or a problem with person B, and person A and B had a former friend C and D, and A goes to C about the attitude, and B goes to D about the attitude, what happens to E? It breaks down, you see? It breaks down. So you polarize the situation and you divide the house of prayer and you break the fellowship that is important in the house of prayer to God. We want to get close to God. Well, we have to be close to each other as well. We have to be comfortable with being close to one another and loving one another, truly loving one another. Some things that people do they shouldn't do. But they're grace builders. They're grace builders. They didn't happen to make you a worse person. But if you suck it in and hold it on and don't let go of it, guess what's going to happen to you? Poison. Poison. Bitterness is an evil poison that will destroy you from the inside out. Let's stand together. I know I have to close. It'll destroy you from the inside out. It'll creep upon you slowly, but surely. In the end, in the end, listen, I don't want to offend anybody when I say this, but I've been pastoring a long time. I've been in the church all of my life, and I know, no, I know that there are plenty of people who have stopped walking with God, have stopped living for the Lord because something, a little root got in them, something they didn't let go. And that bitterness poisoned them against the people of God, the church of God, the man and woman of God, whoever it may be. It poisoned them slowly but surely. They finally found that they could not abide in that house anymore. Their feelings were so strong against those people. They didn't start out that way. At first they loved them and respected them, but now their feelings become so strong. They get stronger and stronger and stronger, and they're negative. And in the end, it drives you away, and you're gone. You're gone. The Bible speaks about 
lest a root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby some have left the faith. That's Scripture, my friend. And that happens. And it would never happen if we could pray the Lord's Prayer with an earnest heart. I haven't finished it. I haven't finished breaking it down, but my time is up. Why don't we just join hands right now as a church? I'm not going to ask to have an extended altar call today, but uh, let's just join hands. Join the hands of fellowship across this sanctuary as a body, just getting together, praying as a body. Hallelujah. Lord God, help us to understand the ministry of prayer, the power of prayer, the specialness of prayer, God, and, 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 and let it heal me. Let me be able to pray it and believe it and let it do its work. Let it heal me. Let it heal us. Let it bring us closer together than we have ever been. Let the love of God be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost because we knew how to pray this way. We got through Jesus, in your name, we're asking God right now. God, begin to resurrect a ministry of prayer and a revival ministry of prayer in this church. And let this church learn what it means and how to become a house of prayer.